Well, welcome. Great to be here with you today. Glad that you were able to make it. Uh, we had, of course, a little bit of snow last night, but that doesn't keep most of us uh, from being able to come together. We're Calgarians, right? We live in this. This is part of our life, but it's so great to see uh, each and every one of you here today. Again, I want to welcome those as well who are online, who are joining with us. Again, we're blessed to have you here as well. Well, February is a month where we have a, more of an emphasis usually on relationships, right? We talk about love. We think about love. Uh, there are cards and candies in every store, and those who are in a romantic relationship wonder what the cost will be, unless their attitude is, why celebrate Valentine's? Isn't Valentine's every day? Yeah, I know there's some people that are like, I heard some amens here. Now, I don't recommend that strategy, <laughs> unless you want to see what, uh, unless that's what she wants, of course. Um, you know, regardless of our standing in the romance department, relationships are important, aren't they? Whether it's with our spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, friends, children, or parents, relationships are really important. And I want to share this. A couple weeks ago, I traveled to Calgary, from Calgary to Seattle, via Vancouver, to see my mom for her 75th birthday. I've kind of shared bits and pieces of that story. And to say that it was an interesting trip would be an understatement. Um, who knew, I've, I, I've thought about this, who knew it would be faster to actually drive to Seattle than fly by an airplane? Now that's a story for another day. But because of weather issues and some airline malfeasance, I'm just going to say that, uh, my daughter and I missed our connecting flight. Lindsay went with me on this trip to Vancouver and had to stay the night at an interesting hotel. Now, because uh, the, the uh, winter weather hit Vancouver, and they're not used to snow. Actually, there was about a foot and a half of snow that hit there. Everything was shut down, and so flights were delayed. People were stranded. People were canceled. So all of the hotels within like a 10-kilometer a radius of the Vancouver airport, by the time my daughter and I got to, out of the airport, were completely filled. And so we ended up finding, I had to find a hotel. It was in downtown Vancouver on the infamous Robeson Street. Now, I've been to New York City. I have uh, run around downtown Chicago. I have vacation with my family in the heart of San Francisco. That was even just a few years ago. But the hotel area surrounding uh, downtown Vancouver was a whole new experience for me. To, just to give you some context, there was a, a pizza place across the street from the hotel that was open until 5.30 in the morning, which makes sense when you see the amount of people lingering and loitering around the street. Now, when I entered the hotel, I'm not sure whether it was a hookah bar or a nightclub, as both the smell of, uh, you know, just say some different types of tobacco, and the pulsating sound of music just kind of smacked you right in the face. And as I checked in, as I was checking in, I could hear Celine Dion's, my heart will go on being screeched out as though the Titanic were sinking. It was really quite something else. However, what hit me the hardest, and I want to say this, what hit me more than anything while I was there, was the people who lingered 
in and out of the lobby. Even though there were moments of laughter, you could hear the sadness in their voices as they were searching for love, connection, really anything to numb the pain of their loneliness. I went to bed that night actually with a heavy heart thinking about what I had experienced, thinking about these souls that were just hoping to connect with other people. You see, as I think about where we're at today, we live in the age of some of the most sophisticated technology. Most of us have a cell phone. Most of us have an iPhone. What is in your hand, if you were actually to hold that right now, has actually, I think, 10 to 100 times more uh, computing skills than what launched the first people to go to the moon. 100, thank you. I knew somebody would be right on point with that. And, and, and so with, with these, this technology we, that we have, we have so much uh, opportunity to connect with the world around us. We can literally call somebody anywhere in the world at just the touch of our finger. It's, it's available to us. But here's what I've also realized, that even though we have all of these great things that we can do to connect with people, people are more disconnected from others than they ever have been in the history of mankind. And it doesn't take a clinical psychologist to see that depression and anxiety-related issues are at an all-time high. I read this report, and it said this, and 2023, the U.S. Surgeon General wrote on a report titled, Our Epidemic of Loneliness and Isolation. And the article states this, the mortality impact of being socially disconnected is similar to that caused by smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day. In fact, it says loneliness increases the risk of premature death by 26%. Now, we all know that the COVID pandemic that we went through not only impacted our society, I think, permanently, but it also influenced how people relate to the church and other relationships. You see, many of us likely will have a different opinion of what COVID was or was not, and we can have debates and discussions, and if you ever want to have that with me, I'll share my thoughts with you in a conversation. I don't have a problem with that. But I believe this, that COVID was used by the enemy to create two things, especially within the church, greater division and separation from needed relationships. You see, we had battles between the masked and the unmasked. We had conversations about who was vaxxed and who was unvaxxed. Conspiracy theorists were put into one group, and, and then sheeple, those who were the blind followers of whatever the government uh, said, you know, it created all of this division. But the biggest issue was pushing people to stay away from each other, making gathering a staple of church, church life something wrong or illegal. And here was the end result of this, and I believe this is where we're sitting still even today, that people became afraid of other people, believing because of what they were told that if they met in larger groups, then their immediate family, or if you did not uh, social distance, you'd be the ones that would spread the disease that would maybe kill grandma or our neighbor. And I know we can look at this now and kind of go, oh, Pastor Todd, that was silly or whatever it is. But the psychological impact on people is greater than I believe that we realize. 
And even though most of the prescribed recommendations have been actually debunked as ineffective, I've got to say that, we're still dealing with the aftermath of those effects. People disconnected from each other, becoming more comfortable living in their own personal silos away from others. Gatherings like church became overwhelming for many, producing social anxiety and other issues. You see, my observation is this, and I watch that people in this day and age, and I talk to them, and I meet with them, and I counsel with them as a pastor in a church, I've, I've seen this, are, are more easily overwhelmed with smaller seemingly things in their life, and even they can't explain it all the time. It's a real challenge. You see, what happened is it turned us inward to become self-focused to battle with our fears, our anxieties and other thoughts by ourselves. And I want to tell you this today, that's not God's design. That wasn't his way. You see, the effect is that it produced isolationism, a feeling of being alone, which is the enemy's playground. You see, he does his dirtiest work when he separates us from the people that we're supposed to be with, when he separates us from community. And here's what I'm going to stay, say to you today. Maybe some of you are here today. You see, you don't know what's going on with the person who's sitting right next to you. They can seem like everything is okay in their life. They can come to church and even, and even put on a good, happy face. But I believe that there are many people who are still battling with anxiety, feelings of being overwhelmed, and periods of challenge, periods of loneliness. And I want to say this today. If that is where you're sitting, you are not alone. <laughs> you are not crazy or abnormal. I want to say that to you today. Because you survived a period of chaos and a breakdown of what was normal. And I have good news today. God has an answer for each and every one of us. That God wants to let all of us know that we're going to be okay. In fact, you're going to be better than okay because I can declare that by the name of Jesus Christ. Because today I want to talk about what I believe is the key, and what we're going to be spending the, the next part of our month talking about is that I believe that the key is family, or more specifically, the family of God, as we call it. You see, it is connecting or reconnecting with one another. God's people, we need each other. God wants us to connect through relationship, through the, the family of God, which we call the church. And when I talk about the church, and if I talk about the importance of church, I'm not just talking about a gathering of people together. You see, church is not necessarily a place, but a people who gather together around the person of Jesus. And I want to say this today, that God loves family. God calls us to his family because he is family. David wrote this in Psalms chapter 68, verse 6. He said, God places the lonely in families. Who can say an amen to that? He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy, but he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. What is David really saying there? He says, look, if you are disconnected, if you are feeling like you are alone, he says, God has a way that when we trust in God and that when we follow God, he puts us into families. But those who don't want anything to do with God, he says, will live alone. They'll live in a sun-scorched land. So today as we begin a new series, 
which is called Found Family. I could have called it Finding a Forever Home, but it doesn't have quite the same ring to it. We're going to talk about finding family. Now, I know I mention her sometimes. Uh, you, those of you that don't know that in the last five years, I've become one of those crazy pet owners. I realize now, because many years ago, I used to make fun of people that would like to dress their dog, that would, you know, have a special seat in the car for their dog, that had things that they did that at home where other people would be like, is your dog sitting at the table? Do you have a place setting for your dog? I'm, I'm like, you're crazy. I'm now one of those people. And I realize this as I've come to just embrace it, um, that when I think about our dog, she was a rescue who, who joined our family over five years ago. And here's what's interesting. I don't know her full story of why she was surrendered, whether she was abandoned, mistreated, or the owner just couldn't afford it. I don't know her full story. And I don't know about her past. I don't know what she experienced in her previous three years of her dog life. But what I do know is that she is a forever now a member of our family. You see, when we found her, she found a home. And, and, and I believe today that God wants to speak to us and remind us that what the, the church, what we are as people are supposed to be, that God talks about calling us and bringing us into family. You see, we're not just a, an organization. We're not just a, a special club where people meet together. We're not just supposed to be this gathering that we do once a week and then we go and do our separate things. But what God really desires for his people is that we would come together and we would grow together as family. You see, in Genesis 2.18, God spoke to Adam. I mean, this is right at the beginning. He said, look, it's not good for man to be alone. Now, I know in that context, he was talking about Adam needed a wife, and he did. I, I understand that. We need each other. But, but do you not under, realize that when it came to humanity, that was the start of a, the nuclear family here on earth? A man and a woman coming together. You just see, when you come together, you're a, a, a family. Because God is about family. You see, it's not optimal for people to walk in isolation. And one of the, the things that I think was accented in this season of time was in, in North America, we tend to kind of be independent. It's our nature. We like to, to have things uh, where we do things ourselves. My family's my family. Your family's your family. Uh, I'm an introvert by nature. How many introverts do we have here? You, you, you just realize that? that uh, what does that mean? It means that you typically regain energy by being away from people. <laughs> you need some time where you can actually read a book or, or, or just spend time looking around at people. And, and I'm like that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an introvert as well. You see, if I'm with people too long, I can become a little bit irritable, fatigued, I, I, things just don't go as well. And as much as I enjoy having time for myself, you have to understand this, even for introverts, because sometimes people are like, well, they're an introvert, they just want to be left alone. That's good for a season, but there is a point in time when you do need people. And I still like people. 
and I love my family, and I love being with community, and I love being around the church family, and I like hanging out, and I like laughing with people. It's just that if I'm uh, the extroverts, they can keep doing it for a lot longer. But we need people. You see, I realize if I'm alone too long, I've got to be honest here, I can become a little bit more negative. I get a little bit cranky after a while and I start thinking about things too much and I get all these wild ideas in my head so I have to come and be around people so that all those crazy things, all of a sudden it's like, okay, just calm down a little bit. So you have to understand that in the Bible, being alone or separated from community was considered a curse. People under judgment were removed from the community and forced into isolation. And you need to understand this, and I'm going to talk about this more, that when God looks at people, when he looks at us, yes, he loves us as individuals. He has plans for us as individuals. But do you not know even a lot of the scriptures that we quote, quote even in like Jeremiah 20, for I know the plans I have for you. You know, God is not just talking about you as an individual person. He's talking about a people of So he has plans for us together to do things. God looks at things through the lens of community or family, as we will see. See, we were created by God for relationship, first with him, then with other people. And I say this church is more than a place just to learn about God or become a better person. It's more than just hearing inspiring sermons or gathering for worship, but it is about connecting with people or finding family. At Eastside, we'd probably say it's becoming family together. That's kind of part of our slogans. So I say this, God is a family. And listen to what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. It says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers or foreigners. What's he saying? He's saying, no longer are you as people outsiders. No longer are you people that we look at as on the outside. We don't understand you. You didn't come from us. We don't know you. We don't have connection or relationship. But God says you are now citizens along with all of God's holy people. Listen, you are members of the family of God. See, God looks at each of us through the lens of community. And we can see all around us that family is under attack or that healthy families seem few and far between. The reality is, is we do live in a broken world where many people come from shattered family situations and it creates confusion. Why is family important? Why is it so important? I believe it's both the foundation of society and the church. You see, the enemy knows that if he can break up family, it allows him to be victorious. So why is family important? First of all, I want you to write this down. Family is where we gain our identity. We find our identity through family. You see, because of the brokenness of the world, people are looking for identity. Who am I? Where did I come from? Or where do I come from? What am I supposed to do with my life? You see, those are things that we we discover for the most part through family. You, You see this, why is it that so many times if a, 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 a father is a car mechanic, you, you see a lot of times that his son or even sometimes his daughter becomes what? A 
car mechanic too. Why? Because they're around it. It's where they, they begin to identify with those things. You see families where there are people that are lawyers that go on to be lawyers or, or those who are teachers. You know, you see that more of the family members become teachers. Why? Because we identify together as a family. Now that, we know that's not 100% true. Uh, we all have kids and people that go their own way and do their own things, but we do gain identity from our family. You see, I believe the answers, the, the, the answers were designed to be answered of who we are through the most part through our family relationships. But because of the brokenness around us, we see many are cobbling together pseudo-families. That's why we see issues regarding gender confusion in this day. Do you know that it's really identity confusion? I don't know who I am. The things around me are so crazy, I'm trying to figure out who I am. And so people look for others to identify with them or tell them what to believe. You see, if I don't like who I am, or I'm not sure who I am, I will attempt to define my identity in my own image or something that I think I want to be. And I got to say, there's just some crazy things out there because of the confusion. You know, I hear of even classrooms in, in our province where they now have litter boxes for kids that want to pretend to be a cat. And we might laugh, but that's, they're saying, that's, well, if that's what you identify with, then that's what you are. Who here thinks that would create confusion for children? And some of you maybe haven't heard things from this perspective, and, and, and you're like, well, pastor, you got to be careful there. You need to be compassionate. These are very difficult things for people, and I agree with it. It is very difficult. But the reality is, is if we are the person who gets to define what we are and who we are, then I'm my own God deciding whatever I want to be. And listen to this. Not only is this in direct conflict with God, our creator and our maker, the crazy part is it actually puts people in conflict with themselves because it goes against who they were designed to be. I want you to hear and see the deeper issue that's going on here when we talk about identity. You know, people say in certain segments of our society, well, you know, the, the reason that there's so much more suicide or they're killing themselves is because people don't accept them. No, it's because what they're doing goes against who they were designed to be and they can't deal with it. See, each of us, whether we want to believe it or not, because I believe what the Bible says, each of us were made in the image of God. Each of us are children of God through Jesus, making us family members who are called to reflect the nature of our Heavenly Father. You see, we gain our identity from family. The second thing we get from family, are you guys still with me? I'm a family is where we learn about healthy relationships or I put down here, families where we should learn about healthy relationships. I believe that more things in life are caught than taught. 
You know, you can teach people things. You can give them books to read. You can, you can teach them. And, and there's a certain segment of people that will do very well with, with that kind of teaching. They'll be like, okay, I get it. I can do that. But for the majority of people, we learn more things from what we observe, from what, when we get to do things. My son actually is in university. He's taking an astronomy class. Don't confuse it with astrology. He's learning about space and stars and all of this stuff. And, and the teacher basically says, said to them, anytime the weather is good, we will not be in the classroom. And he was like, wow, this is kind of a different thing. He's like, I'm going to show you things. And so he's begun to show them distance and space and scope by making them a part of the, the whole learning procedure. Why? Because he understands that sometimes you can't figure out how far really is the moon from the earth. And what's the distance between the, the, the earth and the moon and then the sun? And then where are we at in the galaxy? And so he's showing them in the best way that he knows how. Why? Because so, more things are caught than taught. What this means is who or where you spend your time, the people that you spend your time with, that's what you're going to become. We learn from what we deserve, most from what we observe around us. If you want to learn how to fix cars, then you should probably hang out with people that know how to fix cars. You're going to learn things. You're going to understand things. If you want to learn, let's say that you struggle with finances and you want to learn more about finances, it's probably good to spend time with people who are successful with their finances. Beautiful. If you want to learn how to love your wife, men of God, spend time with men who love their wives. That's gotten quieter. <laughs> if you want to love Jesus or learn more about the Bible, come on, then spend time with people who love Jesus and know the Bible. It, 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 it's, it's what we believe in mentorship, it coming together, being around people. So this is why the church or the family of God is so important. Together with Jesus leading us, we can learn how to have healthy relationships with each other. And maybe like me, you've not always had great relationships in your life. Maybe you've seen some broken things. I can tell you this, I'm so thankful for the relationships that I've built with people within the church community that I grew up with, the church community that I'm now in that have helped me to understand what healthy is and model it for me. You see, as we embrace family together, we become family. And here's my third point of why family is important, and there's more that I could say. Family is where we find confidence. Well, why, why is that important? Because if we have confidence, you see, if we know who we are, and we understand, and we understand how, who we're related to, if we understand these things, it gives us the confidence to do whatever God puts in our heart to do. You see, family is where we gain the courage to be able to risk failure. One of the things that I see more and more and more, I'm even, I, I, I deal with it in my own children, is this fear of failure. Why are we afraid to fail? See, the reason we're afraid to fail is because so many of us have been around people that tear people down when they make mistakes. They tear people down when they don't do the right things. You see, if you're in a healthy family, if you have a healthy people around you, it gives you the strength to be able to push through. Why? Because typically, families are where people encourage one another. 
If you don't believe me, go to a basketball arena. Go to the soccer center. Go to a hockey game. Go to a dance performance. I will guarantee you that 90 plus percent of the people that are there are family members that are supporting other family members. Those are why people, why? Because our family are who cheer us on. Even if we're not very good at stuff. Even if we're not the best at, at doing it. Even when we're in the concert and we can't sing and our voice cracks. Our families are the ones that are like, oh, it was so good. You did such a good job, honey. You see, if you have that kind of encouragement, and I believe this, that's what the family of God is supposed to be. That's what the church is supposed to do. We're supposed to be those who are encouraging people to to be able to go into what they're doing. And even if they're not the best, we're cheering them on because what I've learned is when you have people cheering you on, you can do way more than you ever thought you could do. I believe God gives us family so that we can have greater confidence to step into new opportunities. That we can fail forward. You know, sometimes when we have the right people, it's not a failure, it's you learn something new. You learned how to not do something. You learn that there's a maybe to try something different. You see, if we have that and we're able to do that, God gives us this confidence to continue to move into what he, who he's called us to be. You see, healthy families, they encourage people. That's where we find our confidence. And I want to say this today. Whatever the Lord is putting into your heart, you can do it. Let me encourage you to keep going forward. You see, I want to share a little bit of my story. When I first began going to church, I remember this. I was about 11. I think I was 11 years old. The common way that people introduced themselves was this. I was in this era of church, and some people are more familiar with this. Everybody was Brother John or Sister Violet or so-and-so. And now, now i got to be honest. I didn't come from that background. I didn't grow up in church community. So when I came into this, this environment, I have to be honest, I thought these Christian people were kind of weird. I had crazy thoughts because I didn't grow up around Bible stuff, and I definitely grew up around a lot of unhealthy relationships. So my thought was, why was this brother married to his sister? It just seemed a little bit crazy to me. But as my understanding of God and the church community grew stronger, I discovered that the church was more than a gathering of people, but a family. And I listen to this. It was a family for both those who came from solid families, but were growing in their faith, and a family for those who either never had a family or those who had only experienced pain from brokenness, divorce, abuse, and abandonment like me. You see, there are men who taught me how to change the oil in my car, start a campfire, and how to treat a lady. There were my mom's friends who adopted me on weekends, who fed me, Women, the ministry of feeding is still powerful. Encouraged me and treated me like one of their own. You see, for even a couple of years of my life, I lived with my youth pastor and his family due to some unfortunate situations within 
my own family situation, which allowed me to understand what stability looked like, even if it was only for a short time. My church family shaped me as much as my own, and there are friends that I would still call brother or sister to this day. You see, I met Jesus and was taught what it was like to be Jesus from these relationships, which is why I still believe that the church is and was one of God's greatest ideas, even though it's not perfect. We need each other. And it's a big reason Jesus came down to earth to not only save us, but to restore us and bring us into family, to build us into family. I love what it says that Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 to 16. He says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. We talked about this last year about the spirit of adoption, which makes a but instead you've received a spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Again, I want to say this family. Listen to this. Now because of this, we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. You see, God today wants you to understand that if you have a relationship with Jesus, you are part of his family. And because you have a relationship with Jesus, you are God's children. And because you're God's children, you are now part of him. You see, I love this. He says, Abba, Father. God's desire is for us to relate to him as our father. And regardless of our family situation, some of you that are here have come from great families. If you don't know God, he wants to adopt you into his family. Some of you have come from, you know, what I call okay families. Not perfect, but pretty decent. You're doing okay in your life. God's saying, I want to adopt you into my family if you're not a follower of Jesus yet. Some of you have come from crazy family, broken things, rejection, abandonment. And I'm here to tell you today, God wants to adopt you into his family and make you a part of his family because he wants to call you his child. You see, he not only loves us, but he calls us to love each other. See, that's what family is, (laughs) even though it's not always easy. You know, sometimes my my wife and I will talk to each other. Um, I may not like you today, but I still love you. Anybody else ever have that? Don't don't raise your hand. (laughs) Valentine's is just a few days away. I don't always like my kids, but I love them. You see, the way we see people the way we can see our love for each other is by observing and experiencing our interactions with each other. See, he not only loves us, but he calls each of us so that we can, so that all people can see him in us and experience his love. It's the way that people see growing his love is through how we relate to one another. I love what it, John writes in, in, in John 13, 35. He says, you love, your, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I want to say this. This is why, and we're going to move into this over the course of this month. I believe this is why small groups are so important. They allow us to connect with other people. And the connection not only helps and encourages us, but gives us the opportunity to find life by encouraging others. 
You see, the kingdom of God is not meant to be just this thing that we receive. We receive, oh, I have need. We all have needs in our life. But God wants us to have this place where we not only do we receive from him, but we receive encouragement from other people. But God wants us to turn around because we're a family that we give to other people, that we share with other people, that we encourage other people. You see, when we gather around Jesus, not only does it help us grow and mature, but it strengthens the church family. And as the family becomes stronger, it opens the doors for others to to join and find family as well. See, today, I want to throw this towards you today. I want you to think about this. Wherever you're sitting today, I first of all want to remind you that God has called us as his sons and daughters. We're first of all part of his family. You need to be reminded of this. Wherever you're sitting in your life today, God has brought you into his family. But then he says, I want you to be a family. And I'm asking you to commit to to recommit to one another that you're saying, you know what? I want to learn how to be family to the people that God has placed me with. I want to grow in my connection, first of all, with God, but with other people. You see, there's a few things that I've learned over the past few years. We need deeper relationships with one another. You cannot replace people with technology. (laughs) You cannot replace church community, listen to this, with sports teams, dance groups, Cub Scouts, or other social gatherings. This is coming from a guy that coached a lot of teams. My kids were a part of things. Those are great things, but they couldn't replace church family. I say that you cannot replace gathering together with just being connected online. It's a great and wonderful alternative to being face-to-face, but it will never replace being face-to-face. The reality is that we need genuine relationships with people, people who can walk with us, people who can laugh and cry with us, people who will share our burdens and our celebrations with us, people who we can worship with and learn with, people who can pray for us and with us. So look at the people around you. This is your family. Don't laugh at them. You see, together... We are the family of God. Together, we are the family of God. Today, as I close our time together, I just want to pray. I want to pray that maybe you've come into this place today. Maybe you are in this moment, and we've had some laughter. We've been challenged with a few things. And maybe you're you're, you're somebody here today that's been battling with with depression or feeling anxious in your heart. I believe God today wants to touch you and he wants to encourage you. But he wants to also invite you to to say, you know what, I, I need to connect with people. And as best of my ability, God, would you help me to build that connection? Would you touch my life and help me so that I then can help other people? But maybe some of you have felt a little bit displaced Maybe you felt like you are battling with some loneliness. Today, God's saying, I want to remind you that you are my child. I want to help you and encourage you. So with every head bowed, with every eye closed, today I want to just know, I want to ask, I want to ask today, if you're, if you're feeling 
that maybe you felt disconnection, you felt a, a place in your life where you're just, you've battled some loneliness and you're saying, today, God, I want you to come and help me. I want you to encourage me. Would you raise your hand right where you're at today? Because I believe God is here. There's many hands. Anybody else today? Maybe today you're, you're, you're in that place where you're, like I've kind of felt at times like I'm just by myself, that I'm on my own. I felt like I'm, I'm in a place of loneliness and with God's grace, I'm, I'm saying, Lord, would you, would you just help me feel that sense of family? Would you reconnect me into your family? Would you raise your hand right where you're at right now? Because I believe God wants to encourage you and help you today. Thank you. So many today. Maybe you're here today. Here's my last question. Maybe you're here today and you realize that you don't have a relationship with Jesus. See, see, he's the, the, the one who connects us to Abba Father. He's the one who connects us to God. And maybe today you're, you're, you're like, Pastor Todd, I realize that I don't have a relationship with God. But the things you're talking about, I, I felt that, that, that difficulty. I, I want to become part of his family. Would you, would you raise your hand today if you don't have that relationship? And today you're saying, Pastor Todd, I realize that you're talking to me. This is where I'm at today. God is here for us. So I just want to pray. Father, I thank you for each person that you brought with us today. You brought here today. Lord, I thank you that you bring, Lord, the lonely into family. Lord, it's your promise. But Lord, we know that it comes through Jesus. And I, I pray that you would just continue to, to grow us and strengthen us and help us. For those who have been battling with, Lord, anxiety and depression, Lord, I pray that you would come and meet with them right where they're at. Lord, I pray that you would remind them that they're not alone. Lord, I pray that you would help them to, to, to lean into you, but Lord, also to, to, Lord, to, to look to the the people that you've placed them with, Father God, to, to become engaged with them, Father God. I pray that you would bring strong relationships around them and you would touch their life, you would touch their heart, you'd heal them, Father God. And Jesus, I pray for those who, Father God, are feeling that isolation, God, that you would just touch them. Lord, I pray that each of us would grow stronger, more connected to you, first of all and then connected to each other. Lord, help us to be that family. Lord, that family that, that when people come in, they feel a connection. And Lord, the world that is looking so desperately to connect, Father God, Lord, would they be able to connect with you? And Lord, may we just see this thing begin to snowball where more and more people discover you together, Father God. Would you show us how to be your family, God? Because you died for us. And you call us your own. And Lord, we thank you that you do place us into family, that you do, Lord, lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.